Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In this one powerful, short and now well-known sentence, Jesus addresses Thomas's objection and he lets us all in on a profound life-altering truth. Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the King of the Jews, He is the way. He is the mode of transport to where? A destination. What is the destination? The Father. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. All right. We are busy with a new series called Tethered, a relationship series. And today our message title is Believe. And uh, I will get into that a bit more just now. We have a series scripture that I shared with you last week as we started. It's called, oh, it's called, it is John 15, verse 1 to 4, where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Sorry, my iPad just decided to restart. All right. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that's why our first session last week was called Abide. So you may ask, which relationship are we focusing on when we talk about believe? Believe me, I'll tell you. (laughs) But first things first, the word believe is a verb. Who Paid attention in English class. What is a verb? It is a doing word. So what does it mean? All right, so I, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Okay, Leon, come here. Grab that second chair there. Yes. Put it on the, chair, on the stage here, please. All right, sit down. Wow. That took a lot of faith. You're excused. You can put the chair back. Thank you. That was it. That was the whole demonstration. You'll get it now. Did you see Leon check the chair before he sat down on it? 
So he looked at the chair that I randomly pointed out in that row. He took it, put it down, and just sat when I said sit, like a good, obedient boy. But he didn't check the chair first. What does that mean? He believed that the chair will hold him. Do you see that? That's blind faith, man. He just trusted that the chair will hold him. How many of you, exactly, how many of you believe that you can run around this building without resting? You believe that. I can run around this building without resting. Really? This building? This small building that we are in. Who can run around? Do I need to use other words? You're not this building we are in right now, okay? If you go out the door, then you just go around this one. Can you do it without resting? And the rest of you? That is terrible. Yo, we need to start a love key exercise group or something. All right. This makes my follow-up question really difficult. How many of you think, believe... You can run to Stellenbosch without resting. How many of you believe that? Yanni believes that. I believe him too. Anyone else? Stian? Not so much. All right. So from, yeah, from Somerset West to Stellenbosch without resting. All right. How many of you believe that the sun will come up tomorrow? How many of you believe... Can you guys have some respect? Thank you. How many of you guys believed that when they announced the lockdown for COVID, it would only last 21 days? How many of you believe that Love Key Church is your church? That was a good test. All right. Now... I'm just I'm asking all these questions to get us to think a little bit about what does it mean to believe. So to believe, according to most of the dictionaries, is to accept that something or what someone said is true. It's accepting that that thing or what you said is true, or it can, or to feel certain that something or what someone said is true, or to think that it's true. C.S. Lewis. I've got the slide of a quote from him that I think is quite powerful. He said, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. If I, the, the, the example that he then goes on to explain is when you have a rope with which you want to pull a box, you are much less likely test it than when that same rope has to hold you while hanging over a cliff. If I had asked Leon to take that chair and to put it on top of the roof on the side of this building, it would have been a totally different exercise. You only know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. Okay, so look, let us look at believing when it comes to traveling. All right, I'm really going to stretch this out because I want you to get this. 
When you get into your car in the morning to drive your kids to school or yourself to work, you believe many things. You believe your car will work. Our belief has recently been shaken in that regard. You believe there's fuel in your car. How many of you start out of the day that way? You believe that as you pull out, there is a driveway, there is a road, and that this road will lead to the, wherever you're going. You believe that the school is still there. You believe a lot of stuff. You know, we say assume, but assumption is basically believing something. How many of you check every detail about your car, its safety, its efficiency before starting the engine and driving? Some of you will be those people and you won't put up your hand right now. But most people don't. You just go, it worked yesterday, it'll work this morning, right? Okay. Now, it's very different for pilots. We have a pilot in our midst and I checked this with him. Pilots are trained to not assume, in other words, to not believe that just because he landed in Joburg from Cape Town just now, when he has to fly back, that it's still going to work. They go through everything again. They literally walk around the plane, the pilots. They check all the dials, all the stuff. They make sure that it's working. And then they believe. <laughs> now, what about a trip to an unknown destination? So he talked about a trip where I've been there before. I'm going there again. Now, what about an unknown destination? What role does belief play in this situation? My wife and I are very excited and looking forward to an overseas trip later this year, a trip that she won. Thank God for hardworking women. And, and we're going to a nation that we've never been to before. We believe this nation exists because we can see it on a map. And other people have been there and told us, yes, it does exist. We've heard the testimonies of people being there. We've never landed there before. We've never driven a car there before. But we believe an airplane is able to take us there. We believe that. And we believe that when we get there, everything will work out perfectly. No, we don't. Because we've traveled before, and normally we have all kinds of travel challenges. But for most people, you're like, yes, the plane will take me there. You know. Now, we may even get a rental car, and the rental car may have a GPS in it. And we will believe what the GPS says. Why? Because we've never been there before. When I'm here in my own town, do you trust the GPS? No, I know better. I know better than ways. <laughs> no ways. Now, now, imagine a trip to somewhere you don't know where it is and you don't know what mode of transport will take you there. Do you believe it will happen? If you don't know where you are going and you don't know how you will get there, will you go? Why am I telling you this and asking you this? Believe me, it will come clear. So <laughs> okay, so after all these questions, what is it to believe? It is my conviction that to believe is to confidently know that something is true and will happen. Or to confidently know that someone is who they say they are and what they say is true. Would you agree with that? And everybody nods and shows me by their faces. Okay, great. Here are some words that will help us to understand what believing means. Trust. 
faith, confidence, certain or certainty, sure, solid, stand. Would you agree with that? Those words are all things that help us understand what it means to believe. What is the opposite of belief? It's disbelief. When we disbelieve, we doubt. We have fear. We worry. We feel uncertain. We feel unsure. Shaky. It seems like it's going to fall. I don't trust this. Amen? Okay. So hopefully by now, your understanding of what it means to believe has been renewed. Or at least invigorated. Because we're about to dive into today's scripture. But before we do that, I want you to know that especially with the 4th of May coming up, where are all my Star Wars fans? Anyone? Feeling very alone today. All right. Who does not know what Star Wars is? <laughs> There's a few hands. All right. I'm not going to go into that. But how many of you know that uh, May the 4th is Star Wars Day? On Wednesday, it's coming up. May the 4th be with you. Do you get it now? All right. The reason, <laughs> so the, the reason I'm asking that is the Star Wars fans will know and probably be fans of a very good prequel. Right? Oh my word, I feel like I've lost my audience. What, okay, so let's start, let's start here. What's a sequel to a movie? The movie that follows the first movie is the sequel. So what's the one that if you tell a story, but there's a story behind the first story, and you're only going to tell it now like they did with Star Wars. They started out with a the movie, then they went, well, let's go back in time and show you what happened before this. I don't know why I'm Indian today, but they have to go back and show you the whole story. So they made a prequel. They made a prequel. Are you with me? So now I know what a prequel is. So... I feel like this is not working because there's one Star Wars person in the room. But that one person is going to be very excited because today is a prequel. Because last week I read John 15. Today we are reading John 14. <laughs> that was only my introduction. Okay. But... All jokes aside, this is a very serious moment, and I'm very excited to show you what I believe God wants to show us today. And before I get into the scripture, there's one more thing. Why are we talking about this? Because I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about what it means to believe and how this is connected to the Father. So in essence, we are talking about relationship because of this relationship series. But how believe connects with Father God. One of the main things that Jesus came to do during his earthly ministry was to introduce God as Father. Would you agree with that? If you don't agree, you're wrong. He did that. <laughs> Fatherlessness is a massive global crisis. And most social, psychological economical, and other issues we faced can all be traced back to fatherlessness. And behind fatherlessness, you will find no Jesus. Not the love of Jesus, not the truth of Jesus, not the revelation of Jesus. Brokenness, 
sinfulness, hurt, shame, guilt, all of that is what lies behind fatherlessness. Fatherlessness comes in many forms. In our nation, 62% of children grow up in homes with no father in the home. Physically, no dad. 62% van kinders in ons land. The other remaining 38% have other forms of fatherlessness, like neglect, emotional abuse, physical abuse, a, a father who has some kind of addiction, anything that causes the dad to be absent mentally or emotionally, or divorce, and the list goes on. In the book of James, we read that true religion is visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction. This week, God showed me something I've never seen before. What do orphans and widows have in common? No man. The husband is gone, or the father is gone. Can you see that? James doesn't make a specific distinction for widowers. But he says, true religion is visiting the orphans and the widows in their affliction. When what God's plan was for marriage and for parenting is missing, there is affliction. Can you see that? Because of fatherlessness, many people struggle deeply to see God as a father. And therefore their relationship is strained or non-existent. Many people struggle to connect with the father. I pray and trust that Holy Spirit will minister to each and every one of us today into whatever father wound we may have that still hurts, that still causes us to defend with anger, that still causes us to have this nagging sense of rejection and abandonment in the back of our minds. I believe, I believe that the Father will reveal himself through his Son, Jesus, today in all of us. And I believe we can all have a life-changing encounter that will bring us into a whole new level of relationship with Father God. Can you get excited about that? All right. Now, finally, we can read some scripture, all right? We're going to start in John 14 from verse 1. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. He's making a statement. Believe also in me. My, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you had known me you would have known my father also and from now on you know him and have seen him Philip said to him Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. The first line of this thing, he talks about being troubled. Why is that? Because in the previous chapter, chapter 13, he had just told them, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. And Peter tried to stop him and say that I will, I will be there. I, I, um, sorry, I'm actually going to read what I wrote because it's better. Jesus told them in John 13 that he will suffer and die and that he, where he was going, they cannot follow. But after a while, they can follow. Peter makes a grand gesture and kind of like a monologue speech about how he will follow Jesus everywhere. And Jesus responds by telling him, he will betray him. Can you imagine that? I will follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, mm, you're going to betray me three times. And then the rooster will crow. And then chapter 14 starts. So he says, do not let your heart be troubled. He's just shared this hectic news. So their hearts are troubled. And he's speaking into that. And what is his instruction in the face of troubled feelings? How many of you came here today with troubled feelings? Anyone? A reminder that they believe in God. His answer to troubled feelings is he says to them, hey, you believe in God. He's, it's like he's reminding them. And then he gives them a further instruction and connecting him, Jesus, to God and saying, believe also in me. That's his first belief challenge to the disciples. Can you see that? Then Jesus changes from saying God. The first sentence he says God. Then he says Father. And he says in my Father's house there are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. He is giving them a massive vision. An end goal on the other side of the suffering. First I have to suffer but look at what's going to happen. When I go and I return. He then promises his return and he will take, him, take them into himself. He will receive them into himself so that where he is, there they will be. <laughs> Can you see that? Listen to this church. This is very important. Jesus' position will determine his disciples' position. Okay. Wherever Jesus is, he comes to receive us. We are in him. Now, wherever he is, we will be. Okay, remember this point. Then Jesus goes on to make a profound statement showing his confidence in this ragtag team of disciples. He says to them, you know where I'm going and you know the way to the place. It's like he's speaking life. But then Thomas says, oh, let me just remind us how we spoke about traveling to a known and unknown destination. That's why I made that whole thing. Because 
that he's now talking about a place. And he says to them, you know this place. And they're like, uh, we don't know this place. Thomas has the first objection and says what everyone is probably thinking. He's going, um, we have no idea where you are going. And we definitely don't know the way. And the other disciples were probably like, I'm so glad Thomas said that. Because that's what I was thinking. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In this one powerful, short, and now well-known sentence, Jesus addresses Thomas's objection, and he lets us all in on a profound, life-altering truth. Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the King of the Jews, He is the way. He is the mode of transport. To where? A destination. What is the destination? The Father. Jesus is the how and the Father is the where. Okay, Jesus is your car, and the Father is your workplace. Does that help? All right, that's an analogy. Remember now in verse 3, he says, I'll come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you will be also. Where will Jesus be? With the Father. In the Father. Jesus goes on to say, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. He keeps on giving them this great pep talk. He can see they don't get it, but he's like, actually, I know what that feels like. (laughs) You get this. I'm going to start, stop saying you don't get it. I'm going to go. Come on, you get this. Speak life. Listen to this. He points out the significant importance of knowing him, Jesus. And how knowing him, Jesus, immediately, simultaneously, at the exact same time means knowing the Father. You get this. Jesus is the way to the Father, but not just as a destination, not just to be before Him or even just on His lap, but to be in an intimate, I know you deeply relationship. You get it. Jesus is the ultimate ambassador. What does an ambassador of a nation do? When the South African ambassador is in England and the minister of England speaks to our ambassador, it is like he is speaking to our president. That's what an ambassador does. (laughs) That's what he should do anyway. So, but listen to this. Jesus is the ultimate ambassador. Knowing him, speaking to him, being in him, 
literally means you know the Father. Can you see how this life-changing news for someone who had or is having a tough time with his earthly father or lack of a father, this is great news. You see, you may struggle to comprehend what a good father is, but it may be quicker and easier for you to realize, I'm a mess. I have sin. I need a savior. Otherwise, I'm heading to hell. That thought, that realization might be easier for most than, I don't know what a father is. How can I connect with Father God? So step one is just to realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And when you get to know Jesus, your Savior, who died for you on a cross, defeated death and sin, you see the love He has. You see the love He has for you. And it melts you. And you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And you get to know Him But you still struggle to come to grips with this father in heaven. You couldn't trust your dad. Your dad made you feel less than. Your dad made you feel not worthy. Your dad kept pointing out only your mistakes and never encouraging you. Like, and made you feel like you're not worth spending time, money, or effort on. But now, through Jesus, from this scripture, you can see if you know Jesus, you know the father. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. You get it. I believe in you. Then there's a second objection. This time from Philip. He says to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. You see, Philip still didn't get it. And the other disciples probably not as well. Then Jesus responds Basically reiterating his previous statement about knowing him means knowing the Father. Philip's statement implies that he still didn't get it. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That is the root question today. Do you not believe that Jesus is in the Father Jesus goes on to say, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works. He's like, if you don't get that I am in the Father, at least recognize that these miracles that I'm doing doesn't come from me, it comes from the Father. At least recognize that. And that that is then a clue to know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So that when you know me, you know the Father. And when you see me, you see the Father. Saints, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Do you believe He's the Christ? Do you believe He's the King? The Son of God? Do you really believe? If yes then I have great news for you. You know the Father. And you have a relationship with Him. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to think about it. You have a relationship with your Father in heaven. (laughs) The promise, now next we see from verse 12, we see that there's a promise connected to believing. So I'm going on further in John 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 12. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who, everybody say, believes in me. Guys, listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. The works that I do, Jesus, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Why? Why will the disciples do what Jesus did and greater things? Because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Who gets excited about that? But how many of you have done this in what you think this means and you've been disappointed? Because you said, well, Jesus, you said I can ask anything in your name. I did that. It didn't happen. It didn't how, when, or where I wanted it to happen. And now I'm disappointed. And now my faith, my belief has taken a nosedive. But it's because of a lack of knowledge that we pray from a selfish place or an uninformed place without the revelation. Firstly, look at this. What he has just said about this promise. It is dripping with relationship language. Can you see that? What is the point of us doing the same works as Jesus and more? What is it about? Is it about your ego? Is it about you looking good? Is it about you getting a televangelist channel? No. He says it. To glorify the Father in the Son. That is the point. So he gives us this massive promise. You will do what Jesus did and greater things. What did Jesus do? He made the blind see, the lame walk. He raised the dead. He chased out demons, multiple. The Bible says in the same book of John that Jesus did so many miracles on earth, the books of the world cannot contain the miracles that he did. We're only getting a glimpse of the miracles that he did. He says we will do that and more. But are we seeing it in the world that the church lives this way? No. So, does the Bible lie? So who's wrong? We're not getting something. Like Thomas and Philip. We, we, we just don't get it yet. You will do greater things. But why? To glorify the Father. In the sun. That is the point. So when you are trying to do the works that Jesus did for any other reason, from any other place than intimate relationship, it will fail. Or it will be fake. Do you want to see miracles? Anyone? You want to see miracles? Believe in Jesus. And believe that Jesus is our Savior. And believe that this scripture is true. And then go into action. Remember, believers to have faith, to trust, to be certain and sure that it's that with a confident knowing that this is true. In James 1, the writer says to us, If anyone lacks knowledge, let him ask of God and he will not hold it back. He will give it to him freely. 
But let him not doubt. Because when you doubt, you're like a wave on the, on the ocean tossing to and fro. Let this man not expect to receive anything from God. We like to read the first part. But the second part is a very important um, provision that we need to know about. And what he is saying is actually describing faith in reverse. Not doubting is what it takes. All right. We're going to move on to John 14 verse 19. I want you to see the connection between belief, love, and obedience. Are you ready? Okay. John 14 from verse 19. Jesus says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Whew. Okay, are you ready? This is good. This is really good. A little while the world will not see me, but you will. Why does he say that? Why will the world not see him, but they will? Look at the connection between verse 19 and verse 21. The world won't see me, but you will see me. And verse 21, and I will make myself manifest to you. Make manifest means to make visible, tangible, or real. And the key to seeing this manifestation is the love that, is, uh, love that shows itself in obedience of the commandments. The key to seeing Jesus when the world will not see Jesus is loving Him, having His commandments, and keeping them. Do you see it? This is huge. Love and obedience of the commandments is the catalyst for the Father's love and Jesus' love back to us. Now, some of you are going to go, wait, wait a minute. God loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody. Yes, He does. But why would he say here that if you are obedient and keep my commandments and you are in me, then the Father will love you? Why? Why would he say that? Is he lying here and not lying in John 3.16? No. We have to read the Bible in context and we have to do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. In this case, I believe that he is speaking of a deeper level of love and intimacy that is made possible when we respond with love through obedience. Yes, he loves you. But there's a deeper level of intimacy and love that he wants to love you with. But it's on the other side of loving him through obedience. Can you see that? Think about it. When you love someone who does not love you back, has anyone felt that? I, you love someone, but they don't love you back. They don't have feelings for you. They kind of ignore you. They don't, may not even know that you exist. You love them, but they don't love you back. What does that do? 
it limits the possibility of intimacy. Would you agree? Who created relationships? God. So surely with God, who, the God of the universe who created a relationship, this will be the same. As we love Him back, we will be open to, the, to experience more of His love and what comes with it. That's huge. Why is our church called Love Key? Love is the key to transformation. You read it on the banner. Well done. Well, it is there. The revelation. So let me put it this way. The key to salvation is the revelation of how much God loves us. It's when you get it, you are saved. The key to living the life he has for us is to love him back. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We read it here over and over again. There's a connection between love and obedience. All right. Are you still with me? I know it's 10 past 11, but we can do this and you get it. All right. Then there's a third objection, this time from Judas. The Bible makes it clear. It's not Judas Iscariot, okay? John 14 verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? That's a good question. Let's read Jesus' answer, and I want you to think about how does this answer relate to the question. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Once again, love and obedience are connected. And my Father will love him. He's repeating himself. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow! He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. It is again dripping with relational language. But it is the answer that Jesus gives him. Okay. Does it seem to any of you like Jesus did not hear the question the right way? It seems a little bit not connected to the question. Can you see that? Okay, let me read it again. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him and said. So the Bible says he answered him. He answered his question. His question is, why are you showing yourself to us but not the world? And this is his answer. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He does not love me because... He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Most of us would have gone, hmm? Like, I don't see, should I repeat my question? Can you see that it doesn't really line up? Okay. Do you think Jesus answered him incorrectly? No. That is the wrong assumption. Okay. So what is happening here? Once again, let's ask the Holy Spirit. I did that for you. Once, <laughs> there's a deeper truth here. Once again, Jesus repeats, if you love me, then you will keep my word. Love me, the outflow of that, the result of that is keeping his word. So loving Jesus shows in obedience. Again, he says, it ignites the Father's love for those who do this. And then something spectacular. 
He will come and make his home, they will make their home in us. If you love God and keep his commandments, Jesus says, I and the Father will come and dwell in you. <laughs> okay, I'm excited about that because that's huge. Jesus and the Father will make their home in me, in you. If you love him and keep his word, then yes. Okay. And just in case anyone's not sure, he states the obvious. If you do not love Jesus, you do not keep his words. And by implication, he and the Father will not make their home in such a person. Like last week, I want to ask you, do you see a middle way that Jesus is offering? There's no middle way. You either love him, keep his commandments, and therefore he makes a home in you, or you don't. So how does this answer Judas's question? He asked Jesus, why does he make himself manifest to his disciples and not the world? Well, let me ask you this. What did 12 disciples from the middle of the world do with the indwelling trinity? What did they do? They made Jesus manifest to the world. What is Jesus' answer to Judas? I am making myself manifest to you, and if you love me and keep my commandments, then I and the Father will come and live in you. The Spirit is coming on the day of Pentecost. He will dwell in you as well. The Trinity will be inside of you, and then you will make us manifest to the world. Must I say that again? Jesus is the vehicle to the Father. He makes it possible for them to, well, through Him, he, they come and live in us if we love Him. He made Himself manifest to His disciples. He loves the world and He wants Him to be manifest to the whole world. But He chooses us to be the vehicle of His manifestation. Is that a better way of describing it? That's huge. That is a massive responsibility that he's trusting us with. Ah, oh, man. Are you overwhelmed and therefore quiet? Or do you not get it yet? Am I doing a good job of explaining it? All right. Because I will explain it again. Because this is huge. All right. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to, to come and, and, and just manifest this truth. <laughs> manifest this truth. As you believe, I want you to stand with me and we are going to we're going to do something to hopefully catalyze this as well. Let us stand to our feet, please. I'm going to ask you some questions that we're going to put on the screen as well. So this can really sink in. Church, do you believe in Jesus? OK, we're going to start again. Church, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you love Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you keep His words? Do you keep His commandments? Then you can know that He loves you. And the Father loves you. You can know that you will do greater works than Jesus did through the indwelling Trinity within you. Why? 
so that Jesus will be made manifest to the world and so the world will have a chance to meet its Savior. We can change the world. This starts at home. Do you love Jesus? Then keep His commandments and that'll show how much you love Him. Then the God the Father will love you. Jesus will love you and they will come and dwell inside of you. Then you love your wife, you love your children with the love of God that is now in you. Whatever father wound you may have is healed on the other side of loving Jesus. Can you see that? Some of us today need to surrender to Jesus. The finished work on the cross. The truth of who He is. So that the Father can catch you. And show you who He really is. Can you see that? The Father loves you. He loves you. He loves you. That is why He sent His Son. His Son is the connection back to Him. Because of the fall of man, it was broken. Jesus is the way. God the Father is the destination. And there's an eternal destination. But as Jesus showed us, it starts now with them coming to make a home inside of us. Both are happening. The home inside of us and the eternal home. The, the house with many mansions is coming. But right now, we can have the Trinity dwelling in us, making the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God through the works that we will do manifest to this world. That's how we show Jesus to this world. Let's close our eyes. If you are here today and you realize you've never actually given your life to this Jesus that I'm talking about, and you want to say today, I want to give my life to Christ, you will know the Holy Spirit will be moving inside of you. You will be feeling something in your spirit, maybe something you've never felt before. That is the Holy Spirit talking to you, ministering to you, leading you. If that is you today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, please raise your hand so I can see you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If you are here today, you can put that hand down. If you are here today and you realize I am not living in the fullness of what Jesus is talking about here, I, I have a long way to go in living from a place of obedience to His words and to His commandments. But you want to be in that place. If you feel that in any way today, the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, my boy. Come on, my daughter. There's so much more. Get out of mediocrity. Get out of lukewarmness. Get out of backsliding. I'm calling you home. If you feel that is you today, please raise your hand as well. Put up your hand and say, today, I realize I need to go to a next level with Jesus. Come on. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to ask all those people who raise their hands to please come to the front. We're going to pray with you and we're going to pray for you. We're going to trust for a massive breakthrough in your lives. Please come forward. Let's give Jesus a praise offering as they're coming to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Yo, Lord, your word is so powerful. Your word is so powerful. It's a double-edged sword that cuts to the heart. It brings holy conviction. It brings us closer to God. None of this is to make anyone feel bad. It's to make us realize there's so much more. There's so much deeper to go. There's so much more intimacy to enjoy with the Father. Amen? First, I'm going to pray with the man that raised his hand to give his life to Christ over here. All right. Let us close our eyes and pray this together with him. Say after me, Lord Jesus. Today I choose to give my life to you. I realize that without you, I'm a sinner heading for hell. But today I choose to ask you to forgive my sins, to wash me clean and make me new. And I choose to lay my will down and to do your will for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, help me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.
He's moving all of that stuff away. And as he moves it away, it completely disappears. And he comes and sits with you. And you look him in his eyes. And right away you know that he is your way to the Father. Right away you know the Father loves you through Jesus. He loves you because of the decision you made for Jesus. And then I want you to see that they together come and make their home inside of you. And I want you to do this one thing. Believe that it is true. That it has happened. This is true. None of the lies, none of the hurt, but this is true. You are filled with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Receive it. Just receive it. That is the truth. That is the truth. Receive it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will just blow on these people. That you will fill them with a fresh anointing of your presence, of your truth, and your love. That you just feel the warmth in their spirit of the fact that you are in them, with them, for them. extend our faith right now and I want you to pray this after me Lord Jesus I believe in you I believe you are the way the truth and the life and the only way to the Father I choose to surrender to you I choose to accept that your word is true and that through you, I am one with the Father. And that through you, you and the Father dwell in me along with the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me. I now move forward and make manifest Jesus to the world around me. I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a big shout of praise. He is good. He is God. He is holy. He is just. And he did a great thing in our midst today. If any one of you want more prayer, I'll be here. Please come and ask. We love you. Jesus loves you. Have a great week. Enjoy Connect Group, and we'll see you next Sunday for Mother's Day. 
Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.